Can you feel the shift in the room? Anyone? Can you feel like for you, maybe it feels a little um, unsteady. Like, yeah, I just can't quite get your footing or, or what is this? What's happening? Anybody? Anybody feel that way where it's kind of like, I'm unsure of this environment. It doesn't feel necessarily great. And it's not bad. It's just unknown. And I have the answer. <laughs> I know. I don't get to say that very often. But Pepper says we're not allowed to say we don't know anymore because we have the answer in us. So I have an answer for you. We're in the middle of a shift. Everything is shifting. So if you're feeling a little discombobulated, good. Say, thank you, Jesus. Yeah, discombobulated, you like that word? You are a word girl. Yeah, you like words. I like that about you. As, as the worship team was worshiping, God was, was talking and, and, and distracting me like he does. You know, I get into these spaces where I'm like, God, I'm just, I'm just trying to worship you. And he's like, listen. <laughs> and they were singing the Misty Edwards song, don't even know the name of it, but you won't relent until you have it all. And we are all in this room, somber as can be, saying, you won't relent until you have it all. And God is going, huh? What is this? You won't relent until you have it all. This is what we're singing to God. And we're doing it like this. You won't relent until you have it all. Bored? He's bored. Seriously. You're bored, God's bored, I'm bored. I know. We have to start partnering with what it is that we are singing. We are so severely disconnected with our worship. It has just become the thing we do. It's just become routine. And God's not after routine, he's after hearts. This is what he said in a question. You won't relent until you have it all. You sing it, but you do not mean it or connect with such a notion. I love it when he talks like this. I love it when he comes with severity. Do you love that? Some people would call it like a Holy Spirit spanking, not me. I'm like, yes, upgrade is on the horizon. When God starts coming at you with a sword, you just need to be like, yes, fillet me open. So many times we shrink back and we're like, God, I, I don't know what to do with your severity. I only recognize you as the lamb. You know, we've been in that season for months now where we're trying to decipher who is this God that's coming at us in such a severe way. And I don't think he's done. I don't think he's done. And so many of us have been shaken by the way that he's already come at us. That, that we're, still, we're still not moving in the same direction as him because we haven't reconciled who it is that he wants to be for us in this season. Do you think that God comes at us in severity to ruin us? That's not his plan. I mean, in a sense, we could say that. Ruin who we've been, right? Let me go on. I'll tell you what else he said. We are in a warfare season. We're in a warfare season. Anybody feel like they've been in a warfare season where it's just constant, constant? I see your double hands. Constant coming at you where you just feel like you can't get a break, where your emotions are raw and you think, oh my gosh, I cannot take another piece of either bad news or somebody being mad at me. You know, we're in a warfare season. And here's what I do know is that your soul seated on the throne isn't going to cut it. 
we have gotten away with for so long allowing our soul to be seated on the throne that we don't even know how to interact with God appropriately. Your mind, your will, and your emotions is what makes up your soul. Anybody in here emotionally driven? (laughs) I know who you are. (laughs) On the other side of it, how many of you allow your mind to do all the work? I see that hand. Yeah. How many of you are like, well, I'll just get it done. That's your soul leading the way. When, when the Bible tells us that we don't have to strive, it doesn't mean we don't have to work. It just means we don't have to allow our soul to be enthroned. You know? Is this okay? We are so off track. This has nothing to do with what it was that I was supposed to teach about but I feel like it's appropriate that we go here. Then he said, you now know nothing. If you're willing to partner with the dethroning of the soul, you now know nothing. Do you know why? Because you've never fully allowed your spirit man to lead the way. We're three parts, right? Soul, spirit, body. And we've spent the majority of our lives allowing soul to be the leading lady or the leading man. I mean, in our crazy world, it could be either way. (laughs) And this is what's led us to where we're at in our chaotic, crazy world is because we are soulish as a nation. This is why you have elementary students who are identifying as kitty cats. Because we live in a soulish nation. We've allowed soul to be the main functioning part of everything that we do. But if we're going to partner with God in this season, we have to dethrone soul. And it's going to be a vicious process. You have to admit that you now know nothing because it's a retraining that needs to take place. And God said that to us months ago, that you're in a retraining season. I didn't know fully what he meant by that. I have a better picture this morning. That we're in a retraining season. Because he's dethroning the soul and teaching us how to be led with like spirit to spirit. We have to allow our spirit man to collide with Holy Spirit to to drive things. It's a new way for us, mostly. I'm not saying that we don't have moments where we're spirit led because we do. But mostly soul by way of emotion is interfering. We are very dramatic people. We've become addicted to drama. If our days are not filled with enough drama, we will lean into drama from the TV, drama from social media. We'll even hop on the phone and call our moms because we haven't got enough drama for the day. We're addicted to drama because that's what the soul wants. The soul has a part. It just can't be the leader. Your mind, your will, and your emotions are valid when they're in the proper places. They are never intended to be the leader's. Say it with me. 
I now know nothing. Yeah. We have to become okay with knowing nothing. Even Paul said it, right? Paul goes to, to the Corinthian church and he says to them, I've come to you knowing nothing. What is he doing? Does he really know nothing? This isn't true of Paul. Paul is brilliant. He's brilliant in the things of the law and he's brilliant now in the things of God. He's been brought up to speed on the Lamb of God. He knows the most about the revelation of the cross. For him to surrender his soul and say, you know what? I'm just going to be spirit-led in this moment. I'm coming to you, and I know nothing. The only thing he wanted to put on display, and this is all that your spirit will put on display, is Jesus Christ and him crucified. Now, he could have come to them in his mind, right? Because we definitely know that Paul was cerebral. He could have come to them in his mind and put all of his intelligence on display before them. But intelligence doesn't transform. I'm real good at emotions. I could show up on a regular basis with all of my emotions. But emotions don't transform anything. When I think of will, I think of John. <laughs> strong-willed, right? Anybody have any strong-willed children? That has its place if properly trained and used. But if you show up only in your strong will, nothing gets transformed. We have to use our mind, our will, and our emotions as informants, not leaders. So you now know nothing because we are learning a new way of advancing the kingdom. And everything that we do becomes a piece of the kingdom when we allow our spirit to reign and to collide with Holy Spirit. I mean everything. Chelsea, where do you work? Fort Riley Middle School. So Fort Riley Middle School gets pulled into the vortex of the kingdom when you allow your spirit to be the leading lady. But if you show up in your mind, your will, or emotion, then you just keep the Fort Riley Middle School hostage to the ways of the world. And this is what we've done as a society. Is this making sense? Okay. This is like fresh baked cookies. <laughs> Straight out of the oven. Okay. I haven't had time to process, but I know this is what God wants to do. Okay. We're being retrained. We're being retrained or you're being left behind. That's what he said. You're being retrained or you're being left behind. He said you're being left behind in an outdated, ineffective regiment moving in a senseless direction. See, when we allow our mind, our will, and our emotions to be the processors, we're actually moving away from the kingdom. Because they don't have a proper sense of direction. But our spirit knows the way. When, when Lily was nine years old, it was her nine, ninth birthday, she woke up that morning and she said, God gave me a map in my brain, and now I know where I'm going. And we were like, come again? What a thing for a nine-year-old to announce. God put a map in my head, and now I know where I'm going. When your spirit becomes enlivened, it is as if God has placed a map in your mind, and now you know where you're going. Same concept, right? So today is your ninth birthday, and you woke up with a map because you're unseating soul. Because of your willingness to say, you know what? It's true, this way hasn't worked. 
It hasn't. It hasn't worked well at all. Look at us. The majority of us have spent the last 10, 15, 20 years going around the same mountain, suffering from the same issues. What's that? Yeah, it, seriously, when you have, when you have a, a society that is ruled by the soul, it will affect the entire city, right? It will. But the good news is that the same is true when you have a society that is driven by spirit, it affects even more so because your, your spirit actually has more power than your soul does. It affects entire cities, regions, states, countries, nations. We have a job to do. And then he said, shift. This is the invitational part. Today, shift. There's an invitation to shift Today And for us, what that means is we're going to have to leave everything else that we know up to this point behind. I was listening to Power Hour last week, maybe. And they were, t- did I say it like she does? I, I'm, I, I, but like I told you the other day, I, I actually had a speech issue when I was little, and I couldn't say ours, and it happens again today. I don't know. (laughs) I couldn't say ours when I was little, and so sometimes it happens still. It's fine. I'm not actually Scottish. Um, Anyway, you guys are distracting. Um, (laughs) So I was watching this episode, and um, they were talking about um, how there's such a shift in the atmosphere right now. And and I have a better understanding this morning of what it was that they were talking about. And and that there is a mourning period that we're we're going to go through. And I think they were saying like a 30-day mourning period. Honestly, it ended like December 26th. Like you have up until December 26th to mourn this change, this transformation that God is inviting us into, that it doesn't look the way you thought it would. Have you ever been there? There is a mourning that takes place, and that's okay. It's okay if you're sad that, oh my gosh, I got it wrong. Don't beat yourself up over that. Don't stay there. We should be transforming. It's the call, right? We're being transfigured into the likeness of Christ. So we're going to shift When? Today. We're shifting today. He said, find your footing and get moving. And when God makes things sound easy, it means there's a grace for ease. Find your footing and get going. There's there's no delay in this. This isn't an invitation to, oh, well, I've got time to figure it out. No, he said, find your footing and get going. Shift today, find your footing, and get going. Anybody want that? Come on, let's like let's be eager for the things that God is inviting us into. Shift today, get your footing, get going. Thank you, Jesus, for your grace to get going. We don't have to mourn to the degree of, oh, now I have to try and figure it out. We unseated soul, remember? Okay. Then he said, like Esther, I'm planning to take you. Do you remember the story of Esther? She's just a Jewish girl living in a country that's not her people's country, being raised by her uncle. And, and Queen Vashti messes up and gets thrown out as the king's wife. So the king is on a search 
for a wife. So what does he do? Naturally, any king goes and takes a bunch of teenage girls. Right? It's kind of a crazy story. It is. It's a crazy story. Esther's one of them. And it's essentially a tryout to be the king's wifey. And it's 12 months of preparation. 12 months of preparation. And this preparation is a series of beauty treatments. All the ladies are like, sign me up. 12 months. 12 months of being prepared just to be introduced to the king. The fascinating part about the story isn't the fact that she's chosen. It's what she does with her new power. Now, Esther has moments where soul is leading the way, like, ah, right? I can't do this. You heard me. And her uncle is like, if you persist in silence, God will raise up another. What is he doing? What is, what is Mordecai doing in this moment to Esther? He's unseating her soul, right? She's found herself in this emotional space where she's thinking lesser of herself, certainly isn't having royal thoughts, has no clue as to who she is in this moment. And he puts her on notice and says, Esther, if you persist in silence, God will raise another up to save our people. The, the Jewish people as a nation, their, in, their lives were at stake. And so Mordecai is putting the pressure on, and he's like, no, you're the one that has access here. You're, you're the, the king's wife. You are the only hope. And as the story progresses, she gets brave. And she goes before the king. And what you have to understand is this could have been a death sentence for Esther. Even though she's his wife, she's the queen, she still doesn't have full access to the, to the king. But because she was willing to put her spirit on display first and tell her soul, back down, favor was extended. So she, when she went before the king, he extended his scepter, which meant you can come near. And so she did. And she did this not one time, but two times. Risked her life twice for her people. So when God is saying, like Esther, I plan to take you, understand that this is not just so you get 12 months worth of beauty treatment. It's because he has a lofty assignment that's going to require the right entity on the throne. If it hadn't been for the 12 months of preparation, she would not have been able to respond rightly to Mordecai's challenge of Esther, tell your soul to back down. She became pliable and moldable during these beauty treatments. She began to be better understand who she was during these 12 months of becoming familiar with her royal ways. How many of you need to become more familiar with your royal ways? Yeah, me too. He says, I'm going to force you into my royal ways, beautification in excess. The soul season is being unseated. Emotional sonship is a slippery slope, and I am after those who can scale the high places to smash them with persistent, potent, and passionate worship. The path is being blazed, and prayers are making the way. 
God has put intercessors on notice long before you were brought up to speed. This season has been talked about for quite some time. And we've arrived. It's time for us to allow God to take us. To take us where he wants. Not where we're comfortable. And I believe that worship is no longer going to look the same. It can't. We go to Topeka every Wednesday night. We go there, we pray, we worship. Sometimes there's a teaching. But mostly, it is a display of everything that God is talking about this morning, where it is spirit leading. What do you want to do? We are leaning in. We will be who you want. We will allow you to put your kingdom on display through our bodies, no matter what it looks like. Is that a fair assessment? One of these Wednesdays, Jeff had come with us. And for those of you that don't know, Jeff's a seer, which means, you know, he can see things in open visions. And, um, you know, like I can see Chelsea, he can see things in the spirit realm. That is so freaking cool. But one of the things that he was seeing that God was wanting to do is that there were high places of worship in Topeka. Now, what you need to understand is that Topeka represents the whole of Kansas. It's the government seat. And so God is wanting to take that space first, and then everything else in our state is going to be affected by what it is that he's doing in Topeka. So when we talk about Topeka, you can just go ahead and translate it, okay? That affects Junction City. That affects the surrounding area. Actually, we believe that what he's doing in Topeka will affect affect this nation as a whole. So what he was seeing was that there were high places of worship that God was wanting to smash. These are not things that you would look at and go, that's disgusting. That's evil. Because we've become familiar with these high places of worship. I would even go so far as saying that even in our own personal times of worship, there are high places that have been erected because we have allowed our soul to be seated as the lead. So naturally, there would be high places that God wants smashed. Two weeks ago, Pepper took us on a a prayer journey. Like if you've ever prayed with Pepper, you know that it is a a journey. You're going to be going somewhere. You can't just simply participate or sit there as a consumer you, you're, you're going somewhere spiritually. And she started going up this mountain and, and I I was journeying with her. I was singing the whole thing. You know, it was kind of like sound of music. You know, the hills are alive. It was me and Jesus and we're journeying up this beautiful mountain. Are you with me? It was gorgeous in my mind. Oh, it's beautiful. And then she announces, he's leading us up these high places to smash them. And I was like, my high place is beautiful. (laughs) It was kind of jolting to realize that our spaces of worship, God is calling high places. But what she was laying out was that we're going to have to scale these high places. And the only way that they're going to be smashed is by authentic worship that he's wanting established on the earth today. And remember, you now know nothing. It's like a a, a clean slate. I love it when Jesus wants to clear a table. It's messy and it's uncomfortable But I love it when Jesus wants to clear a table. The same way that I love when he comes with, you know, 
his sharpness. The same way I feel when he comes with his, his sternness, I know that there's an upgrade. There's promotion involved in that. So when he's wanting to come and clear the table and he's saying, you don't know anything anymore. I'm like, yes. How many of you want to experience the new things? In order to experience the new things, you have to let go of the old things. Because he's certainly not looking for mixture of the old and new. It negates the new. And he said, lean not on your own understanding. That will lead you astray. And that's that mixture. It's that mixture of what's familiar to us, trying to bring that along. And I would even go as far as saying, he doesn't even want you to look back. Don't even look back at it. Don't look back to admire it. If he's calling it a high thing, he doesn't like it. It's no longer artwork you should look at with admiration. Any artists in here? Creatives, people that create things. Maybe you write, maybe you draw, maybe you, who knows what it is, but you've done the thing and then you go back to look at it and be like, oh my gosh, this is so neat. That's not this. He's calling it a high thing. If he wants it smashed, then it's gross now. It's not something we should look at with admiration. And then he just said, press in and power through. Which tells us what? We have to start looking. When God is talking, we have to start looking at it, examining it, not just being thrilled. Oh, God's talking. This gets us in trouble. It gets us in trouble when we don't closely examine what it is that he's saying. Why would he be telling us, press in and power through? Anybody? What does that, what does that inform you of? There's going to be obstacles or you're stuck. Press in and power through. You have access. That tells us we have access. It's ours. Say it's mine. But it's going to take some powering through. You need to decide now, like today, what does powering through look like for you? Don't just think that this is going to be something that just sweeps you away. Because it won't. You'll be severely disappointed. You need to know what powering through looks like for you in this. And then he said, my glory is power. When you sing about glory, do you think about his power? When we talk about his glory... Do we think about power or do we mostly think about what it feels like to be surrounded by his glory? The glory that he talks about pouring out in the last days is likened to the flood of Noah. That's a lot of glory. The whole earth was flooded. It's a lot of glory. It's a lot of power. Remember, Moses hanging out with God for a few days came down and had to be veiled because if the rest of the camp would have looked at him, they would have died. That's a lot of power. And he says, my glorious power, mountains melt like wax in my presence. When was the last time you saw a mountain? 
Do you think it's very easy for a mountain to melt like wax in your presence? Absolutely not. But he says that mountains melt like wax in his presence. That's his glory. That's his glory on display. So what does this tell us? We have got to rightly regard who he is. And then he just simply asked, do you even know who I am? Yeah. It's sobering, isn't it? It's sobering. Do you even know who I am? Mountains melt like wax in my presence. Do you even know who I am? Our soul will hold us hostage to a standard that is not God's if leading the way. So the reason why we can't answer this question he's asking, asking, do you even know who I am? We can't answer that with a profound, yes, I know who you are. Because our soul has kept us, kept us, right? We can only go so far and we're yanked back in. It's like having bungee cords for tethers. We get so far out and then we're like, all the way back. It's like playing shoots and ladders. Where you get so far, but mm, on that next turn, it's all the way back to the beginning. That's what the soul does to us when we allow it to be the enthroned one. When it says, when scripture says that we are co-seated heirs, I'm afraid that the truth of us is, is that what we have co-seated is our soul. And that is not what belongs in that space. What belongs on that throne, in that co-seated place next to Jesus Christ, is you who were spoken on day six. In Genesis, on day six, when he spoke, male and female, he spoke you into existence. I believe that was your spirit, and he held your spirit within himself until your body was being formed in your mother's womb. So when the song says, you and I, we've got history. We go way, way back. It's because your spirit, who is intended to be the lead of your life, has been held within the heart of God for all time. Say, I've got history. The spirit knows. The spirit knows its way around. And you don't actually have to wake up on your ninth birthday to know. Because your spirit was spoken on day six. On day six. How many years are we in? Somebody, ballpark it. 7,000? Six or 7,000 years the world has existed. On day six. That's a long time. We really do have history. And when you get into a stuck spot, first unseat your soul. And then remind yourself, I've been around for eons. He and I go way back, and you have to learn to lean into that. God and I, we go way back. I've been held in him long time. Before I ever breathed in this body, I was being held in him. That's intense. So what do we do with this season that we're in? What do we do with this word? 
that he's trusting us with. First, we say yes. We let him do the work of unseating our soul, and it probably will be work because he said, press in and power through. Because you know that you have spent, however long you've been alive now, you've spent that much time puffing up your soul, right? So it's going to take a little bit of work to dethrone the thing to where it's only acting as an informant and not leading. But can you imagine the difference that this will make? Wow. I just, I really think that there's, there's nothing that we can't do. Our, our spirit is God-breathed. Your spirit, a third of your being, is the voice of God activated. That's incredible. That's incredible. I'm, I'm so wowed by him, his kindness and his care and his intention, his purpose that surrounds us. Robin, I felt like God was, was talking to me about you specifically during worship, and he, he's going to show you how beauty and worship are really tied together. And, and I saw, like, for the next three months, very specifically the next three months, that he's wanting you to really lean into worship. What does that look like? How is he remolding worship for today? And I, I feel like he's calling you this. And I heard this for events too, that he's calling you to an upper echelon of worship. Like he's wanting to utilize you to set a standard for what it is that his worship looks like in this day. So take that and, and, and pray about it. And then Vince, I just, this was this morning, early this morning when he was talking to me about you and he was, he was talking about you. He's wanting you to rightly see who it is that you are. And in the same word that there is an upper echelon that he's calling you to take. That was very specific that to take. So for, for my understanding, and you can pray into this, is it's like, this is a realm that needs commanding that needs somebody to lead it. And it's not just for this house. It's for, it's for a lot of people that are being upgraded, being promoted right now in this season. And so he's wanting you there now, and you probably have dabbled in it a little bit, but he's wanting you to know that that's your place. And then I heard him say that you will no longer be moved by the emotions of others. They will fall off of you. They will come at you and fall to the ground. They will no longer bear weight, and they will no longer feel like a burden for you but you have to get into this upper echelon. Okay, let's pray. Father, we just thank you for your word. We thank you for your word. We thank you that you show up in such big ways. That, that we have plans, but yours supersede them. And right now, God, we want to partner with your word to unseat our souls. God, we recognize that this is ultimately an invitation to repent. God, we have empowered the wrong thing. We've allowed emotion. We've allowed our minds and our wills to lead the way. And we admit, God, we've made a mess. And so right now we repent of being like those, those, those people that are tossed on waves of doubt because that's what the soul does when it's leading. It just feels like it's being tossed back and forth on waves of doubt. And I thank you that right now our spirits are rising up with a militancy to take their rightful place. 
that we will be the sons and daughters of glory that take up their place, that we will be those who advance the kingdom with violence because our spirit is leading the way and has collided and merged with you, Holy Spirit. And we thank you that our mind, will, and emotions are great informants that we can, we can talk to them as though around a table of counsel. But that they will no longer be leading the way. So right now, we are going to take the time to unseat our souls best we know how. I want you, with your eyes closed, I want you to, to just mentally picture, use your imagination, and I want you to see the throne room in that co-seated place, and I want you to recognize what it is that's sitting in your co-seated place. What have you crowned that does not belong there? Once you've identified that, I want you to feel your spirit man rising up within you, becoming the largest agent within you. And your spirit man goes up to that other entity and pulls it off the throne, your throne, your seat. Putting it back in its place as a member of the council of who you are but not the leader. And then I want you to watch yourself sit down in your co-seated place. We are more than conquerors. We are victorious only when our spirit is the one that is seated. You cannot be more than a conqueror as long as your soul is seated on your throne. Take your seat and reign as a God-breathed entity, a glory dispenser. For some of you, this activation right here will enable you to be delivered from years and years of things that have plagued you. When you have the wrong thing on the throne, it's an invitation for lesser things to enter in and to bind you and have their way with you. Allowing your spirit to sit in your co-seated place will enable Holy Spirit to come in and clean house appropriately. It's with clean hands and a pure heart that we ascend the mountain of God. Don't misunderstand me. You can't clean yourself up. It is by the blood of Jesus that you are clean, but your soul doesn't know enough about the work of the cross. But your spirit man does. And because we've been those who've gone round and round and round the mountain, we need to be delivered of some things. Fear, addiction, slander, those things are not who you are. So as you sit down on your throne, 
and these things start to surface for you, I just want you to start saying, Jesus, free me from that. Jesus, free me from that. I really think that this is going to be an ongoing thing throughout this week. As you learn to unseat your soul in the various things that you do, you're going to unseat your soul in different spaces, whether it's your workplace, your family life, maybe a relationship with a friend, whatever it is, your relationship with food, your relationship with money, whatever it is, you need to unseat your soul in those places. And as you do, you will Seat yourself as a spirit man over and over again. And as things rise up, you're just going to repent quickly for them. Repentance just means to turn and face Jesus. Turn and come up higher. Jesus, I'm so sorry that I've allowed that thing to rule in my life. Deliver me from that. Lack is another thing that I hear that lack has become a very valuable part of your life and God doesn't want it there any longer. So Father, as this week unfolds, rise up in us as a lion, consuming the things that do not belong. Empower us to unseat lesser things so we can move with you where it is that you're going. That we can ascend these high places and bring worship unto your name that will smash them. Thank you, Father. Just tell him thank you. When the Father comes and does a work like this, you just want to offer him thank, thanksgiving. We just we thank you, Father, for what it is that you're doing in and through us as, as a community. God, we just thank you. And we offer you up high praise right here, right now. We offer you up high praise. You are worthy to be praised. You are worthy to be praised, Jesus. You are so worthy. We thank you. We thank you for the work that you are doing and are going to do in us. That you've invited us to be taken by you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Amen.